Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's the Hey Mary Kay edition of the pod. So we've got questions about Odell Beckham Jr. coming up, about the defense, about Baker Mayfield in the top 100 or actually not being in the top 100 of Pete Prisco's top 100 NFL players list. We get into all of that. Our questions came from our Football Insider subscribers. If you want to get involved in Football Insider and get that newsletter delivered to your inbox every day, get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland Icom side Browns and be a part of our text subscription. All you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page, click it, get info, and get signed up. All right, here is our Wednesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And away we go on our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, first question. Pete Prisco's top 100 NFL players list. Baker Mayfield is not on it. So, hey, Mary Kay. This is coming from me. Hey, Mary Kay, should Baker Mayfield be on a top 100 NFL players list? You know what, Dan? I actually thought he should have been on this list, and I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't because there are 14 quarterbacks who made the list, and uh, number 10 on that list is Josh Allen of the Bills. So when I think of Josh Allen at number 10, In my mind, I don't go like, you know, 90 more players and Baker Mayfield's name doesn't come out of my mouth. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he's 90 players worse than Josh Allen. Do you know what I mean? So I was a little bit surprised with that one. And I'm not saying that Josh doesn't belong up there at number 10, although, you know, you could make a case that that's that might be a little high for that one as well. But when I see some, you know, some of the other quarterbacks on the list, I think they all deserve to be in the top 100. I do think uh, that you could have squeezed Baker Mayfield into the top 100 somewhere based on the fact that in the, you know, he did go 11 and five last season. He did make it down into the final eight into the AFC divisional playoffs. And in his final 12 games, he threw 20 touchdowns against only three interceptions. So he really kind of woke up uh, in, in that offense as, as the season went on. And again, it was really his third playbook that he was learning third scheme and no uh, off season to try to do it. I actually would not have had a problem at all whatsoever. If he was somewhere on this list, I mean, I, I mean, there are really good players on this list and, and you're right. I mean, 
you and I talked about this for a minute. There are a hundred really good players in the NFL. He made the also rants. Pete put an also rants list at the end of this, but we were kidding around. There's like 50 players on, on the also ran list, including JC Treader and a couple other Jarvis Landry is also on that list. We get to the bottom and then, you know, you, you see luxurious need of the chiefs on, on this list. I don't know. It just seems to me like Darius Williams, Los Angeles Rams defensive back. I mean, these, these guys are good players. I probably would have put Baker Mayfield on head of Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller is at 96. I think I would have at least swapped out Wyatt Teller and put Baker Mayfield in at the very least at number 96. Yeah, this is an interesting list. And I, I'm just looking at some of the quarterbacks specifically on this list. And, you know, I keep seeing Dak Prescott popping up on lists like this. And I always feel like he's just way too low with all those weapons in Dallas. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to put up insane numbers again. He was already putting up insane numbers before he got hurt. He's at number 50. You know, he's got DK Metcalf at 39 and AJ Brown significantly mm-hmm. lower than, than DK Metcalf. And I, I could maybe argue that AJ Brown is the guy I would take out of those two. And, and I like both of them, but you know, Justin Herbert is at 38, you know, again, you don't have to go back far in this podcast to hear to hear me rave about Justin Herbert and hear me rave about Joe Burrow. But at the same time, we haven't seen it from those guys all that long. So, you know, if the argument against Baker Mayfield is he, is he hasn't done it for a full season. And I think that's fair. I, I don't know that you can just throw Justin Herbert up there in, in the low thirties and, and Joe Burrow up there on, on this list and just kind of leave Baker off. So I, I think that's really the only issue I have with it. If somebody wants to make the case that Baker Mayfield isn't a, a top 100 player yet, you know, I'll listen, but I do think there's some guys on this list. You could very much make the case that he belongs, you know, on this list ahead of. Yeah. I mean, once again, to get into the final eight, I mean, I think that's significant. He has a little rash of quarterbacks here at the very end where he goes, Kirk cousins, 93, Kyler Murray, 94 and Joe Burrow, 95. And I don't have a huge problem with any of those. Uh, But when you get to the last group of players here, Wyatt Teller, Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, Darius Williams, and Legereus Sneed, I think you could, I think you could shoehorn Baker in there somewhere. Again, I'd probably swap out Wyatt Teller and put Baker Mayfield in there. I think what he did last year was actually pretty remarkable. I mean, to get down in to be one of the teams in the final eight with a chance to, you know, with a chance to go to the AFC championship game and to go for him to go 11 and five last season. I think that could get you somewhere in the top 100. And I'm looking at some of the other guys that were left out too. you know, Von Miller is on the just missed list. Uh, there, there's some other guys here that, that I would maybe move up on, onto this list, but yeah, when you've got, you know, I don't know. I don't know that Kirk cousins belongs on this, on this list, to be honest with you. He's always kind of year to year in Minnesota. And, and as Pete points out, he threw for a career high 35 touchdowns in 2020. But, you know, I, I just don't know that he belongs on, on this list necessarily. So a little surprised to not see Baker on there. I guess uh, add that up to another to, to put a chip on his shoulder, I guess. And one other thing to uh, to kind of store, you know, as, as crazy as these lists can be and as, you know, they're, they're just for stuff like this for us to talk about and kick around. 
you know, I'm sure Baker knows it exists now. And I'm sure he knows that he wasn't put in the top 100 and he'll be paying attention when the NFL network puts out their list as well. We know that Baker has those rabbit ears. So I guess just add this to the list for him going into 2021. Yes, absolutely. Pete did mention, I think he said that he did not have Josh Allen on his list last year. And I think, I think I have that right. And now he is number 10. So I think that just goes to show you, you know, that the list is of course, you know, ever changing. Yes. He said, I did have a Josh Allen on the list last year, but not that one. Yeah. He was nowhere on his list, even though he thought he had a chance to make big strides in 2020. He didn't think he'd make the strides that he did. So not being on the list does not mean that you're not going to go out and be an amazing player in 2021. And I just got done uh, writing a whole story about why I think Baker Mayfield has a chance to put together a full good season next year as part of our 21 Browns questions for 2021. And there are so many reasons why I think he is actually set up for better success next year, including the fact that it's his second year in, in a system for the very first time. That's probably one of the biggest things. And if folks are wondering out there, if they haven't seen the list, Miles Garrett checked in at number nine. He was the highest rated Brown. So you've got Miles Garrett up there right in between Russell Wilson and, and Josh Allen. So some high praise for Miles. TJ Watt was number six and Aaron Donald was number two. So Garrett is the third ranked defensive player on this list, right in between two pretty good quarterbacks. Credit to Miles Garrett there for, for ending up on that list ahead of a guy like uh, Jalen Ramsey, who, who's down at 15. So if you're wondering if Pete Prisco is paying attention, there were a number of Browns on the, this list. Odell Beckham was on there. Nick Chubb was on there. But Miles Garrett sitting there at number nine. He certainly has respect for, uh, for what Miles can do. And Miles definitely belongs up there. And, you know, this will be interesting. We should print this out. And, and see how this turns out when, when all is said and done. Or Actually, I might go back and look at last year's list too, just a little bit to see who was where, maybe some of the Browns and, and how it all shook out. But um, yeah, you're right. Baker will definitely have this one uh, somewhere in the locker or somewhere on his phone or something. Okay, let's talk about that defense now that Miles Garrett is a part of. And let's go to a question from Rory from Wisconsin. And we're going to talk more CBS lists. Thanks for all the content, CBS, for giving us all these lists to discuss. Rory from Wisconsin. Hey, Mary Kay. CBS ranked the Browns defense the best in the AFC, third overall in the NFL. Rory says he's a biased judge himself, but doesn't it seem a bit premature to crown them as defensive juggernauts when they're looking at potentially nine new starters on that side of the ball? If not number one, where would you objectively rank them? I saw this text today, Mary Kay, when I was calling through answers from, from our football or questions, I should say, from our Football Insider subscribers. And it did kind of take me aback. I had to go look before we came on just to make sure this list actually existed. It does. The number one defense in the AFC. That seems a little much for me right now, especially in June, as we're recording this on, on June 1st. But what do you think? I would say potentially the Browns defense, it, it's just loaded with talent right now. And they've completely overhauled this defense. And in a perfect world, they will end up as a top five defense. But right now they are still unproven. There are a lot of unknowns. We don't know 
how is Jadavian Clowney going to come back off of his injury and integrate into this defense? How are Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams going to come back from their injuries? How is Andrew Billings going to come back from his opt-out? I think these are some really big question marks about this defense. How quickly are they all going to come together and work together? Uh, and they don't have a lot of time to figure it out because they are going to hit the ground running against the Kansas City Chiefs. On paper, they have the potential to be absolutely a top five defense. If I were, if we were drafting the defenses, Dan, there we go. If we were, <laughs> if we were drafting NFL defenses right now, I don't know that I would put them third. I don't think I would put them third because they're a little unproven. In terms of the AFC, I don't think I would put them first in the AFC. I mean, I think you have to look at defenses like the Bills, the Ravens, the Steelers. Who else am I forgetting in the AFC that has an amazing defense? Uh, well, let's uh, just see who's on this list. There's the Ravens, there's the Steelers, the Dolphins, the yeah, Broncos. The Dolphins. So I don't know if I necessarily would have them uh, number one. I, I think that's a little high. I, you know, I could probably, I'd probably put them in maybe in the top five on both of those lists, but not number one in the AFC and not number three. Look, these are all projections, right? I, I do think it's okay to maybe pump the brakes here and there on some, something. So like Greg Newsom, right? Everybody's really excited about Greg Newsom and rightfully so. And, and that's a guy who, you know, I was beating that drum leading through the draft process and all of that, but you know, let, let's not forget Greg Newsom was the 26th pick in the draft and you want that pick to be very good, but it's not like he was the top corner taken. It, it might take a little bit of time for him to become the player that people want him to become. And Greedy Williams is coming off really a lost season. So it might take him some time. And, and even, you know, going back to his rookie year, it's not like he was a shutdown corner. That's a really important position and a really important piece to this defense. So I still think for all the veteran presence they added, and we know who John Johnson is. We know he's really good. We know Anthony Walker is good. We know uh, Troy Hill is good. And we, you know, we all, we know Jadavian Clowney can be good. There's still some unknowns on this defense that would just prevent me from saying, yeah, they're just going to shut people down and be the best defense in football. I, I just, I think it's going to take a little time with some of these guys and, it's it's almost doing a disservice to some of these young players to be to say, you know, hey, Greg Newsom is going to come in and just hit the ground running. Well, let's let's give him time to develop and, and grow into what he's going to be. Yeah, I mean, even though he'll play in that first game, I mean, you almost have to be a little bit careful that, you know, you don't want him to lose confidence right away. He's only played uh, 21 college games. And speaking of 21 and 21 this and 21 that. 21 college games, and he just turned 21 last week. He just became, or May 18th, I think it was. He just became old enough to, to legally buy a beer on May 18th. So he's very, very young. He does not have a lot of uh, starts under his belt. It could take him a little bit of time. Remember, Joe Hayden did not start until like halfway through his rookie year. Some guys can handle it. Some guys for sure can handle it. And maybe Greg Newsom will be one of those guys, but we just don't know yet. We don't know. And we'll have to see how that goes. It's going to be the same thing for a lot of these guys on defense, right? JOK, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. It's a, he's a little bit of a unique tweener 
an undersized player and plenty of teams were hesitant about him. The Browns, on the other hand, ecstatic about him. So these are the kind of question marks uh, that you have as you head into the season. How will he integrate into this defense? How fast will he come along? I mean, they've got some great pieces and now they have to put it all together and see how it works. Another question about the defense here. This comes from Dave from Dayton. Hey, Mary Kay, please clear something up. I keep hearing the Browns will have nine new starters on defense. Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett are givens, but does that mean Ronnie Harrison wouldn't be considered a starter? Yeah, you know, when I, I always say up to nine new starters on defense, because it, it will depend in part, there are some gray areas there in terms of like how many linebackers you're talking about actually starting and who those might be. When I talk about nine new starters on defense, if we're just kind of going in base, I would have John Johnson and Grant Delpit as the two starters. That's ideally, ideally what the Browns hope will happen, that Grant Delpit is ready to go and can come back and be healthy enough to start the season. And that, that's why they drafted him in the second round. And his role was going to be enormous last year. And the hopes are very, very high for him. Now, he might not be ready for that. And if he's not ready for that, then certainly Ronnie Harrison will be the starter in base along with John Johnson. But in a perfect world, they'll get Grant back. Right. And it's, it's more about how many snaps guys are going to play as opposed to who's out there on the first play. Because you're right, in base, if Grant Delpit's healthy, it probably is going to be John Johnson and, and Grant Delpit. But there's going to be games where they run out three safeties to start the game. And Jeremiah Wusukoromoa starts the game. And there might be other games where – you know, he's not out there on the first snap on defense or even the first series. So it's more at the end of the day, when you look back at the snap counts, who's playing the bulk of the snaps. So you might see Delpit, I don't, maybe Delpit and Harrison kind of split snaps, especially early in the year with, with Delpit working his way back. I, I think there's a lot of different ways that it could go. So yeah, the nine new starters, it's all kind of loose. It just depends on mm -hmm. who they're playing, what the matchups are you know, who's playing snaps. It, it's kind of all of that. The term starter is kind of used loosely, I think. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are certain things that we do know for sure. And that is that there will be three new starters on the defensive line when you're in base. Okay. We know that already because the other guys are gone. And then at, at the linebacker position, Anthony Walker is going to start. JOK is going to start. And then if, again, when you're in base, a four, three, uh, the other one is up, up for grabs probably depending on uh, the formation and the opponent and those kinds of things. We know that there will be a new starter opposite Denzel Ward. And we know that there will be probably two new starters at safety. So for the most part, there will be nine new starters technically, but as you mentioned, Dan, there are, it's fluid and there are gray areas. There are going to be rotations at certain spots. There could be a rotation at cornerback. Right. I mean, and the, like Greedy and Greg could be rotating at cornerback. And, and just because, you know, Greedy is the first player out there doesn't mean that he's going to get more snaps than Greg. So there, there are, it's going to be fluid for a while. Yeah. And, and like Troy Hill is, I would consider Troy Hill a starter. Mm -hmm. It's just, he might not be out there the first snap because he might not have three receivers on the field. But I would, I would consider, if I were to list defensive starters, I'd probably list like 13 guys. Because yeah. these are guys that I consider starting caliber players before you start getting into the backups. 
Okay, here's some roster questions. So Tyson from New Braunfels via Alliance Ohio says, Hey, Mary Kay, if you had to predict, do you see any surprise cuts on the horizon? We'll just say any surprise cuts by the time they make the 53-man roster. He asks, because looking at the defensive tackle room, you've got a bunch of guys in there, uh, Andrew Billings and Jordan Elliott. How many are they going to end up keeping? Are, they any, are there any other groups where we could see a surprise? Maybe at wide receiver, he suggests. So I guess if you're looking for surprise cuts, what position groups are you kind of honing in on here, you know, months away from the Browns having to make these decisions? For This crew does a very good job of figuring out their roster along the way and also dealing with players in such a way that they're giving them the opportunities to go find other jobs. If it's a, if it's a name player that has a chance to go somewhere else and they're not in their plans, they usually do a pretty good job of letting those guys go somewhere else along the line. So I don't think there will be a bunch of big name cuts. I don't think there are going to be a lot of surprises. One area to look at is linebacker. Linebacker is one spot. We've been talking about this. Uh, they, they drafted JOK, who's playing at weak side linebacker. They signed Anthony Walker. They drafted Tony Fields, who plays the same position exactly as JOK. So that's one area where you kind of look at Matt Wilson, you look at his 30-something rating on pro football focus from last year, and you realize that he's a player that has to step up his game this year. I mean, he just he has to step it up. He got off to a rocky start last year uh, with that leg injury, that fluky leg injury in camp. He, he didn't really necessarily have the year that he hoped to have or the Browns hoped that he would have. So he's somebody that is going to really have to demonstrate and prove that he is better than the new guys that they have brought in at his position. So this is interesting, by the way. I think we talked about this on a previous pod, but they're, they're actually doing cutdowns a little different this year, too. I think this just came out last week where they're going to do sort of the tiered cut down again. So August 17th, you've got to get down to 85, August 24th down to 80. And then August 31st is going to be the cut down to 53, which for us, Mary Kay is great news because that's days and days before Labor Day weekend. (laughs) Normally, normally our Labor Day weekend is consumed with the cut down to 53 waiver claims and all of that. And they've moved it up to August 31st, doing all of us a favor uh, after that third preseason game. So they will have to make those decisions kind of quickly after that third preseason game still. But it's going to happen on a Tuesday as opposed to that that Labor Day weekend. So thank you, NFL, for doing us all that favor. But I'll say this. I, I do think linebacker is probably the most interesting position because you've got those two guys you mentioned. Fields, Owusu Koromoa, what are they going to do there? You've got the young guys, Taki Taki and Mac Wilson. You've got to think one of those guys probably isn't going to make it. And then the wild card is uh, Jacob Phillips is there too. I've got to imagine they have a bigger role for him. What's going to happen with a guy like Malcolm Smith? You're right. I mean, that that's the room where uh, they have a number of guys now and they were very intent on adding guys that could cover. They needed guys that could cover and Malcolm Smith was their better, their their best cover linebacker last year, but then they were able to get an Anthony Walker and he has sort of a similar skill set. And then as we have mentioned, then you've got JOK, Tony Fields. So they have a type, right? They have a type, uh, but you can't have too many of one type. 
I think that the, the battle will be good in training camp. You also have to have guys that can stop the run. And that's why I kind of think that Sayoni Taki does have a chance because you want somebody uh, that can stop the run very well. Uh, there are teams you're going to have to do that against. And, and he did his job pretty well in that regard last year to the tune of ranking pretty darn high on PFF. I think it was something like, I don't know, he was up in the top 20, I think, in, in PFF grade amongst qualifying linebackers. So I do think he has a chance to make the team. I think if it came down to Sayoni Takitaki and Mac Wilson, I think the, the, the odd man out would be Mac. I'm not saying he's not going to make the team, but he's going to have to step up and show that he can contribute in a big way on special teams and that he can, uh, that he can get out there and he can perform well and actually be better than some of the new guys that they brought in. Uh, Tyson also mentioned the wide receiver room and he specifically mentioned Richard Higgins. I don't see that happening. I think they've, after what Higgins did last year, he kind of earned his spot. I, I think last year Higgins was maybe in more danger than he will be this year. I think the the guys you kind of keep an eye on are the Kadero Hodges, the uh, Jojo Natsons, mm-hmm. guys like that, and sort of how Anthony Schwartz kind of develops here. And not that they're going to cut Anthony Schwartz, but how does he develop and how does that sort of change the math for, for some of these other guys? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think Rashard Higgins is safe. I think they're happy to have him. I think they, they signed him to a contract that makes sense for them. Uh, I think it's nice to have that safety net for Baker Mayfield. It's, you know, he, that's his, his comfort level. And he was uh, one of his go-to guys in that play, playoff game against Kansas City, and that means something. Uh, so I think he's safe. Uh, as you mentioned, you have to see how JoJo comes back from uh, the torn ACL. You know, now you kind of have a sort of JoJo and Anthony Schwartz, somebody that has really, really good speed. Uh, but JoJo is also a return guy. So, you know, once again, as we've mentioned so many times before, you can just give Mike Prefer a guy or two of his own and JoJo could fit into that category. So they might, their receiver room that they have right now could remain intact. Some more receiver questions. And of course we got an Odell Beckham question from Robert Seltzer in El Paso, Texas. Hey, Mary Kay. Is there extra pressure on Odell Beckham Jr. this year? Not just because he's returning from injury, but because the front office, basically in deciding against going after Julio Jones, as as you reported, has expressed so much confidence in Beckham this year. And does that put any extra pressure on Baker Mayfield to get him the ball? This is like the never-ending question with Baker and Odell, but let's just start with that first one. Is there a lot of pressure on Odell Beckham this year, considering all the circumstances surrounding him? You know, I, I really don't think so. I don't think there's any more pressure on him that there ever was before. If you looked at Odell Beckham Jr. last year, he put a lot on his shoulders last year. He was determined last year to really help this football team. And that's why he was so frustrated. We saw him at times just be so frustrated, like when he got taken out of the Pittsburgh game, when they were getting killed in that game. He was so upset because he just wants to do whatever it takes to help this team win. When we watched him in the Dallas game, he put the team on his back and single-handedly won a very important football game. If you don't win that football game, there's a good chance you're not going to the playoffs if you don't win that game. Uh, So he was very instrumental in getting them to the playoffs. So I think he has always had that pressure on himself. Uh, I think he views himself as 
a, you know, that difference maker, that guy that if you put the ball in his hands, he's going to be the LeBron James for you. Uh, so I think he always has had that. I think he has it again. And if you watch his Instagram hype video that he has up right now, you can see how hard he's working. I mean, my goodness, six months after ACL surgery to do the things that he's doing, it's phenomenal. And he's so hungry. I mean, he, you know, you miss the game when you're out of the game. This is the second time in the last couple of years that he has missed all or, or most of a season or not all of a season, but a big, huge chunk of a season. And, you know, it just seems like he really was bummed out that he didn't get to be part of that playoff run. I think he really, really likes Kevin Stefanski. That's what he's always wanted. He, he's always wanted to have that cerebral connection with a coach where you just feel like this guy gets you and knows what you what you want and knows what you're trying to do for your football team. And Kevin understands that about Odell, whereas Freddie didn't really get that. And Freddie didn't really have the, you know, the offensive acumen that Odell was kind of looking for. And, and he has a really nice relationship with Kevin. And I think that's driving his desire to want to be here and to be great and help this team get to the Super Bowl. I think you're, you're going to see Jarvis and Odell just be over the moon this year. You know, remember last year when Baker said they know their time is kind of short in terms of the window is kind of short for them to do what they want to do. Well, this is, this really is, I mean, this could be it. This could be the year where, okay, get them to the Super Bowl and go from there, or then we have to reevaluate the whole situation. So this is the year that they need to do it. This could be the best chance that Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry have together to get to a Super Bowl. And I think they're just going to be just over the top crazy to do that. Another wide receiver question. This comes from Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut, who starts with, hey, Mary Kay, love the text updates. Listen to Tom, folks. Getting involved <laughs> in Football Insider. Loves the text updates. There's a lot of appropriate talk about Odell Beckham Jr. coming back and his contribution to the offense, but Tom was wondering about the role of Donovan Peoples-Jones. He liked what he saw of him last year in limited time and would like to see him on the field more this year. Where does he fit in that crowded receiver room? And I mean, just more generally, that crowded offense. So Peoples-Jones, we've talked about a little bit. Didn't put up huge numbers last year, but I've said this before, you can probably just remember without racking your brain too much, like three or four really great plays from Donovan Peoples-Jones and his 14 catches for 304 yards. And, and you definitely remember both of his touchdowns. So what is Peoples-Jones's role now in this offense as they come back with a healthy Beckham, Landry, Rashard Higgins kind of had his breakout year last year. Uh, Anthony Schwartz is in the mix now. Where does Peoples-Jones fit in all of this? I really liked what I saw of him last year too. He was so much more polished than I thought he would be. And he's another one that has very, very high football IQ. And I think so many of these guys do. It's, it's basically when they talk about smart, tough, and accountable, they really go for those really smart football players. And he's one of those guys. I mean, he just, uh, he knows where to be on the field. He knows where his feet are. He knows down in distance. He knows the time, you know, I mean, he just has a football awareness. He understands the game. And, and I thought that was really cool. What he showed last year, even, you know, in that, on that touchdown catch, the game winning touchdown catch 
in Cincinnati, which was just phenomenal. So I would like to see more of him. I would definitely like to see more of him. And, you know, it's one of those situations where because you drafted him and because you're trying to develop him, you know, maybe he does siphon some reps away from a Richard Higgins. He also has a different skill set than a Richard Higgins. So you can use him in different ways. That's, you know, the kind of thing that Richard is on a one-year deal. Donovan Peoples-Jones is somebody that you're trying to, you know, he's one of your homegrown guys. So I would think that, you know, in three wides, he's somebody you're going to want to take a look at when you can. The other thing is they have enough talent, a wide receiver this year that, I mean, you you almost have to play more three wides and maybe some four wides. I think you're going to have to use some different formations this year, or you're going to have to use your guys in different ways, or you're going to run the jet sweeps and you're going to run the reverses and you're going to run the trick plays to get your best football players on the field. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a challenge for this coaching staff. And just, you know, like I keep saying, somebody's going to get left out. I don't know who it's going to be. If they go more wideouts, if they run more 11, or if they go to more spread looks with four, maybe even five receivers, well then, you know, you're not going to get to see Nick and Kareem on the field as much together, or you're not going to get to see as much as many tight ends as you want, but Kevin Stefanski will figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that's, look, that's his job. Him and Alex Van Pelt will figure it out. And as long as the Browns are winning, I don't, I don't think fans are going to be concerned, but I would like to see, you know, I want to see what people's Jones can become. And maybe this is one of those situations, like you mentioned, Mary Kay, Richard Higgins is on a one-year deal, right? Maybe mm-hmm. we're not going to see the full Donovan people's Jones experience here this year, but maybe we will in two or three years. This was a sixth round pick it can, it's okay if it takes a little time to maybe get him on the field and fully see what he can do. But I I think he's going to contribute before all is said and done. Yeah. And then, and as you mentioned, you know, maybe, you know, next year, the year after, you know, you're starting to look a little bit at uh, the core receivers of the future. You've got Anthony Schwartz now too, and you're going to want to get him onto the football field to take advantage of his speed. You want to give those defensive coordinators something to think about during the week, something to worry about. You want to give those defensive backs something to worry about on Sunday. Is this guy going to get behind me? So you want to have a a few plays in for him as well, but Anthony and Donovan Peoples-Jones are the receivers of the future. Yeah. Small sample size warning here, but there was a three game stretch in the middle towards the end of the season. And that Tennessee game, the Baltimore game and the giants game where he had eight catches for 221 yards of score he also had that two-point conversion that he caught off the Kareem Hunt deflection. That was a promising stretch of games. Again, incredibly small sample size, so you don't want to read too much into it. But there, I, I do believe there's something there with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Okay, let me get to one more question here. This comes from Stephen in Westlake, and this has to do with the 17th game. Hey, Mary Kay. Is it me or does the 17th game feel like the season is exponentially longer, even though it's just one game? How do you expect the coaching staff to adjust the summer months for a longer season? And I'm genuinely curious if you think they might do something differently, even during the regular season to lighten the load uh, on what these guys are going to have to deal with, with adding that 17th game. Um, Yes, I absolutely do think that they will factor that into how they handle things. And I think the way that they will do it is that they will use their depth, especially with players that have a history of injuries, okay? We know that Denzel Ward usually misses three or four games with a soft tissue injury here or there. Uh, There are other guys in that category where they could use 
occasionally a little bit of a breather. You know, you might have to do that with Jadavian Clowney, Tack McKinley. So I think that you will see a little bit more of a rotation to get guys to the finish line. And that's where all of these extra defensive backs are going to come in handy. That's where all of these extra wide receivers are going to come in handy. They're going to pace themselves so that when they get to November and December and they get to the 17th game, that they still have something left in the tank. And not only does this football team want to play 17 games, but they want to play 20 games. So that's a long season. That's a long season. And there are preseason games this year. There are three preseason games. So it might also factor into how you manage those preseason games. I would probably wouldn't be playing uh, veterans too, too much in the preseason games. Use those to, you know, to figure out your final roster decisions and, you know, to work through some things here or there to get some people's feet wet, to get some guys some playing time. But I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't shoot too many of your bullets in the, uh, in the preseason games. Yeah, it'll be, I'm curious to see how that shakes out. If like we see that dress rehearsal game in the second preseason game, and then that third one becomes, you know, you don't see any starters at all. And it's just a bunch of the, a bunch of the backups, mm-hmm. not even backups, like third and fourth string guys that most of whom aren't even going to make the roster. I wonder if that's how it shakes out. Kevin Stefanski at one point, and I couldn't, I was digging through the transcripts here while you were talking to see if I could find the quote, but I couldn't, but he mentioned that he doesn't necessarily view it as just like, oh, here's one extra game. He just views it as like 60 more reps for each of these guys. And so they're going to kind of manage that as as they go along. Hey, maybe the Browns will be going into that 17th game with nothing to play for. And they'll get to do what the Steelers did last year and, and rest some of their starters and, take it easy in that 17th game. But I, you know, I do wonder how they're going to manage. I, I don't want to say it's, it's going to be like in the NBA, that that phrase NBA fans love so much load management. I don't think we're going to see that, but I, I do wonder how, how they kind of approach it at some of these positions. And that's where having three safeties helps and having a bunch of wide receivers helps, you know, you can, you can yeah, lessen even, the load on a lot of these guys, even defensive tackle. They've got so many right. defensive tackles right now. And, you know, those big guys, you know, they, they can use, uh, a blow every once in a while. So that's another position where you can kind of keep the rotation going and keep these guys fresh so that not only are they, you know, ready to go for the 17th game season for the 17th game, but also in the fourth quarter. So I, I think you're going to see a little bit more of a rotation. Now, they can't really do that on the offensive line as much. Maybe it wouldn't even be the worst thing in the world to, uh, occasionally give those guys a rest. They don't have a bye week until week 13, you know, a lot can happen in the first 12 weeks. Yeah. I think what we might see is a lot of practice stuff. So, you know, you look at those positions where guys normally play hundred percent of the snaps, right. Offensive line, like you mentioned, usually at least one of your cornerbacks plays almost every snap. So do those guys just not practice as much, and especially you got like JC Treader and Joel Batonio, and Jack Conklin probably don't need to practice a whole lot during the season. If they're working in training camp and you're not doing a lot of live stuff during the season anyway, there might be some more rest days, especially as, as the season wears on and, uh, and that bye week, which I, I think might end up being advantageous, but it's not going to feel advantageous until you actually get there because it is a grind going through those first, going waiting that long to get to your bye week. They, these guys are going to feel it. Yeah, it's, it's a long, long time to show up and start practicing on July 31st and not have your buy until, what is the week? Is it November 
something. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's that last week in November, isn't it? Because they, they play yes. the Ravens back to back. Let's see if it's I actually understand. no, it's actually the first week in December, I think. Yeah, because they play Thanksgiving weekend. Yes. So it's the first week in December. That's a long time. Yeah. So they play the Ravens November 28th. And then yeah. they have the next week off. So that would be December, like that December 5th week. Yeah. And then they play that's, the Ravens on the 12th. That's four solid months of football before you yeah. catch a break. Yeah. I, th- I think the, uh, the very smart sports science guys in that building are going to make sure the training camp uh, doesn't wear these guys out. Absolutely. Okay. There we go. Our football insiders came through with us, came through for us again with great questions here on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. So make sure you check out football insider cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page, subscribe to the pod. Uh, we're getting you ready for training camp. Now it's already June. I, was putting something in my calendar last week, Mary Kay. And I realized like, Oh, I'm putting this in, in June already. I can't believe it's already here. So we're, we're getting real close to this thing really starting to take off. And of course we'll have coverage of OTAs, mini camp, everything we're able to see for our football insider subscribers and also over at Cleveland.com. All right, Mary Kay, I will talk to you later. Sounds good.